morning to each one here this morning. It truly is a beautiful morning. It's amazing the difference in the energy that we have when the sun's shining. Um, the other day when it was raining, I realized after a while that I was feeling really gloomy and just kind of not that motivated, and suddenly I kind of uh, caught on to the fact it's because it was so dreary outside. So moving on with the message. <clears throat> been talking for the last few sermons about uh, the theme was living with purpose in the digital age and I know these these have felt a little different than some because uh, there's been a lot of facts that I've been giving um, facts and information and, and not as much scripture and and I know that's felt a bit different um, to some of you but uh, it did feel led to to continue with this um, subject <coughs> And um, one of the reasons for that is we, we're living in a time that is, um, to use a very worn-out word, unprecedented. Um, unprecedented was worn out in, in the time of the COVID uh, stuff going on. But we, we are because um, the world as like the, uh, the, the technology that the world had available to the people. It's reflecting up there. Uh, it's distracting me. Someone's watch or something. The technology that was available, at least from what we can tell reading the Bible and history, was, was fairly similar for many, many years. You know, they had horses and maybe uh, going back uh, thousands of years, some kind of carts and you know, various tools and so forth, but <clears throat> they didn't have the fast-moving um, vehicles and, and the, the means of communicating in the blink of an eye from one end of the world to the other and all that. <clears throat> and so we're living in a time, and I don't know why God allows this, but I, I just got to thinking of that sitting here this morning. We're living in a time where the technology, the current latest technology, especially computer-related um, technology, has kind of brought to us an environment that is not natural to us as humans. It's actually not what we were made for. And what I mean by that specifically is we were made to live in communities where we saw each other face to face. We work together, we, we help each other, we play together. Um, when we need help, there's someone there to help. And it's like someone said, um, with our Facebook friends, for example, you can have a thousand friends on Facebook, what they call friends, people you follow and you, you, you know, you, you watch on their pictures of their life and what they're doing. They're your Facebook friend, but not one of them is going to be there in the middle of the night to help you change a tire or help you when there's a fire at your house or whatever. And so in that sense, they're, they're not the kind of friend that, that we usually have thought about in, in time past. And, and so we, we now have friends that we've never seen in person. Maybe Maybe... Some of you have all kinds of friends, Facebook, Instagram, um, and all the others kind of friends. And not that that is necessarily wrong, 
but there's, there's a certain amount of that now that is creating a different way of doing life and relationships that is actually very unnatural for us as people. And, and so we do need to think about how, how we interact with these things because there's a certain fundamental level of, of relationship and connection with people that we need, we have to have to be healthy. It's not really optional. <clears throat> so that was kind of something I just thought about this morning. And uh, so we're going to be talking about this morning uh, identifying the traps of this modern technology. There's going to be six different traps I'm going to talk about. And as you think about a trap, think about a trap line. You put traps out to try to catch animals. What's, what's a couple things? I'm going to try to get you to guess. What's a couple things about that that um, are facts? Like, what, what's, what's an inherent part of a trap? Like, not a part, but just a couple of facts about a trap. It's hidden. Exactly. You're not, you're not aware that it's there. Go ahead. You got something bite the bait. Okay. Okay, so let's piece these together as we go. You can't see it, it's hidden. And at least the, the reality of the trap is hidden. But like Vern said, there, there's like maybe a smell there or something that the animal can see that draws it in. It doesn't see the trap, it just sees that bait. And what's, what's a third thing? There's one other thing about a trap that we should talk about. It's going to hurt. And is it easy to get out of? No. So the two main things I thought about, and, and yours uh, fits into this really well, is we don't realize the outcome as we move toward the trap. And we also don't realize how difficult it will be to get out after we're trapped. So that's what a trap is. <clears throat> I'm going to... I'm going to read. I think I gave Robbie maybe the wrong reference here. Where did you start reading again? Okay, yeah. You were supposed to end there, but I, I gave you something wrong, I suppose. So I'm going to read. Um, it's okay. It's just fine. <laughs> uh, but I'm going to read the verses that I'm looking for here. I think I, I meant... No, I did, I did wrote it. I wrote it down wrong. That's, I, you have it correct the way I wrote it, but it's not what I wanted. So um, I'm going to go read here at um, 12, verse 12. 1 John 2, 12. I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because you have known the father. I've written unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I've written unto you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abideth in you and you've overcome the wicked one. Now, these next three verses are specifically what my focus is here in this scripture. And these verses have a lot more wisdom for you than anything else that I'm going to say in this sermon. And they're very familiar, so your, your mind is going to naturally tune them out when I read them, Okay. So can you hear them? Are you listening? <clears throat> Love not the world. What does that mean? 
don't have affection for it, okay? Anyone else want to? It's pretty self-explanatory, right? And yet, what does it mean? Anyone else? Well, let's keep moving. Neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And one thing that we're all aware of, when you read 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, you don't, you're not left wondering what he's trying to say. Not really. Oh, there's some things that we need to think through a little, but most of it is clear. If you love God, you will love your brother. If you hate your brother, you don't love God. That kind of stuff. And here he's saying simply as could be, if you love the world and the things that are in the world, the love of God is simply not in you. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And um, so, so technology, the latest technology, and just tools and things are not a new snare to us. Humanity has always struggled with, with that on some level. There's always been things in this world that are a trap to humanity. That's not new. In fact, every struggle we have today is actually not new to mankind, but the, the allurements are coming in a different form. And with a little more intensity maybe what, what what word would you use would you a lot more often that that's a good point like so so like let's just think about the the uh the moral pitfalls of our world when i was a boy if you wanted to see pictures that were just not the greatest thing. You know, people that weren't dressed correctly. You either had to drive past a billboard. There were some of them. Uh, not as bad probably as they are now. Or you had to go to a store and buy a magazine. Or have a TV in your house. Kind of those types of forms. Like, you kind of had to go after it or, or go somewhere. Um, and, and so you, the, these things bombarded us less. I really like your point, Fred. We're, we're, these things are coming to us much oftener. The allurements, the, the lust of the world, the things that, that really look pretty enticing to our eyes. Let's face it. There's a lot of things out there that look really exciting, and we, we love that our eyes want to feast on them. Our body wants to feast on it. So it's coming to us often. That's one, one area where it's, it's different than it used to be. <clears throat> the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. And so these things are temporary. And, and um, one thing that is a fact that we can't argue with, this is just facts from studies and all that, is that these latest electronic gadgets, the phones and the computers, and and the apps that have brought us content with them <clears throat> actually are causing people to be more empty and more dissatisfied with their lives. 
It's not bringing more fulfillment. Even though they have more friends, they're more empty. And, and the, the truth is, and I think this is factual on almost any level, the more we feast on not bad things, but just all the, all the people that we can see and all the exciting stuff that people are doing and all that, the more we feast on that, the more kind of empty and discontent and, and even a little angry. I think there's a low-grade kind of, you know, people kind of rub us wrong quicker if we're caught up in like a, a real feast of that stuff. I can't explain it all. I'm not an expert on it, but this is just things that I read all the time of things that, so, so moving on, um, Well, I want to highlight the last phrase in verse 17. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. So there's some things that are lasting, some things that actually bring satisfaction now and that will last forever. And, and one of those, by the way, is relationships face-to-face -face with people. Every one of us have that need and and enjoy it on some level. I realize there's introverts and extroverts, like we say. And, you know, some people, it, they appear as though they never want to be around anybody. Truth is, if you put them in a, in a cell, a dungeon by themselves for a few weeks, they'd be happy to have a crowd of people around them. So we do like people. And we thrive when we not only are around people, but we actually have meaningful connection and conversation. That brings satisfaction. And obviously, even more than that is, is with God. Um, I think that should go without saying. But <clears throat> so, so moving on now to, the, to num trap number one, gadget lust. Not a lot that I'm going to say about this, but there's a quote from, from the book that I've been referring to where John Coburn says, when we mix the genius of invention with the potential of technological production... And then add the attraction of high glitz advertising, we experience a virtual flood of new gadgets. And there was a lot of gadgets around when I was growing up, but I mean the amount of gadgets today is unbelievable. You, and by the way, you're missing out on a lot of them. There's a whole bunch you still don't have. And you really need them. Depends who you ask. And that's what I'm talking about here. And, and, and we... we we, we have this at various levels. We probably all have had some type of gadget longing or something. I don't know. I don't mean necessarily like electronic, but maybe tools. Maybe it's, I don't know, a new sewing machine or whatever. I'm trying to speak the lady's language, but I have no idea what I'm talking about. Um, and so we, we all have this on some level, but today... With, with, like Fred said, like the blitz of, of this stuff coming at us all the time. You've noticed already, many of you, when you did a search about something on Google, the next day you saw a bunch of ads about that very subject. Or, and this is proven, 
I've seen it on my own devices. When we had a conversation about something, the next day I saw ads about it. I've seen it enough that I know it actually happens. Um, and so, so these things just bombard us. And, and if we're not careful, we, we begin this, this craze for the latest thing. And honestly, I don't see just a lot of that here in this group, which I'm really glad for. There was a time when I would have been much more that way than I am today, where there was always something else that I kind of wished I could have. Um, there's always things that would be nice to have, but anymore... I almost would like to get rid of some of them because they're wearing me out. <clears throat> so anyway, another quote here. Gadget lust drives us to want what we do not need. So where, are you, where do you find yourself in that? Trap number two is simply wasting our resources with these things. Uh, resources, money, materials, staff, just like assets that help us do things in life. And we can waste that time is a big resource that gets away with these things these days. Nothing new there. Uh, but I am going to read you a few things from this book. Again. That are a little stunning, probably, at least for some of us. Just thinking of people in the United States and how they use their time and money in relation to the latest gadgets. Just the United States alone. Cell phone, smartphone users average $50 a month on phone plans, estimating to $159.5 billion annually. Billion. By the way, there's going to be several more billions coming here. A billion dollars is a thousand millions. And just for context, if you were to spend a thousand dollars every day, it would take you 2,700 years to spend one billion. Thousand dollars a day for 2,700 years to spend one billion. And we're talking about many dozens of billions here for some of these. Every second, 3,000 $75 every second, every tick. $3,075 being spent on pornography. Every 39 minutes, a new pornography video is being created. In 2015 alone, consumers spent $23.5 billion on games, electronic games. Smartphone users spend about five hours each day looking at their phone. Now, if you don't have time to read your Bible, that might be one thing you could check. I don't think there's many of you that spend five hours on your phone, but your phone will track that for you if you really want to check on yourself. <clears throat> Children ages 2 to 5, just 2-year-olds to 5-year-olds, spend more than 32 hours per week watching TV. That's just TV. That's almost a full work week 
watching TV. Children ages 6 to 8 that are in school still average 28 hours per week in front of the screen. And speaking of these games, these electronic games that they, they play, these killer games and stuff, the average age of the gamers that spend the most money is 37 years old. It's not children, it's men. And they actually have a term they've come up with now called gaming widows. Want to guess what that might mean? A woman who doesn't see her husband much because he's doing games all the time. <clears throat> Psalm 90 says this in verse 9. For all our days are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. The days of our years are threescore years and ten. About seventy. It says you probably should live to about seventy. But if by reason of strength they be fourscore or eighty, yet is their strength and labor is their yet is their strength, labor, and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. I think what this means is that even if you live to 80 years old, time passes quickly. And some of you older folks have, have said that repeatedly. Who knoweth the power of thine anger? Even according to thy fear, so is thy wrath. So teach us. Teach us to number our days. Or another version says, teach us how short our life is so that we may become wise. Teach us, Lord, to to think this through and use our time well. Because when you're my age already, you start realizing that you could have used your time a lot better. And I'm guessing that at 70 or 80, well, hopefully you won't have regrets about how you used your time. But that's the question. Will you or won't you? Psalm 39, 4. O Lord, make me know my end. What is the measure of my days? Let me know how fleeting I am. Time is short. There's things God wants you to do. Do them now. Behold, you have made my days a few handbreadths, and my lifetime is as nothing before you. Surely all mankind stands as a mere breath. Trap number three is addiction. Yeah, it's not just drugs and alcohol that can be addictions. But I found a verse in 2 Peter 2, which many of you have heard before. Verse, Actually, I'm going to turn to that and read a few verses before that. I was going to look at 14, but starting in verse 9 is 2 Peter 2. First Peter yet. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptation and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished, but chiefly them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise government. Presumptuous are they, self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignities, whereas angels which are greater in power and might bring not railing accusation against them before the Lord. But notice verse 12 especially now. These as natural brute beasts made to be taken and destroyed, speak evil of the things they, that they understand not. I'm sorry, that's verse 12. Still not, not at my key verse here. 
and shall utterly perish in their own corruption and shall receive the reward of their unrighteousness as they that count it pleasure to riot in the daytime. Spots are they and blemishes, sporting themselves with their own deceivings while they feast with you, having eyes full of adultery that cannot cease from sin. It's another version that for that phrase it says they are addicted to pleasure. Does it matter if we're addicted to pleasure? Could it be possible that we're addicted to the pleasure that comes from these devices? As a man whose name I don't know how to pronounce, he said this in a book, Who's Really Addicting You to Technology? Online services like Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, BuzzFeed, and the like are called out as masters of manipulation, making products so good people can't stop using them. And there absolutely is a level of addiction that we have with our phones if we regularly visit social media sites. It's just part of it. And um, I have seen people of all ages, young children all the way to older grandparents, just glued to their phone. And that's not cool. I realize we can use them for a lot of good things, and I, I certainly do use it. But being glued to that screen, you've all been in a doctor's office or a chiropractor, six or eight people sitting around. It's extremely unusual to find one person who's not glued to their phone. Speaking of addiction, um, there have been a number of stories in the news about gamers that literally gamed themselves to death because they forgot to eat and sleep. They literally were so caught up in their game that they went for days without sleeping and dropped their heart attacks. Here's some reasons that, that people give to keep social media. And, and I'm not saying social media is all evil. It's not that I never use it. I do use it some for business and um, don't much for personal. But um, there, there's reasons that we give sometimes that we need to have these things. And, and th- this is not to condemn it, but I'd just like to give you something to think about. And if I remember, this came from a book that I have called Deep Work. Uh, A man who is a professor, and he's written multiple books. He's sold them very, very well, and he has zero social media. And so he just challenges people to consider doing without. So these came from him. This is one reason people give to keep it. It is a fundamental technology. It would be too extreme to quit using it. Fact is, it's actually primarily a source of entertainment. And um, a poor one at that, as far as the actual outcome of using it. Number two that he gives, it is vital to my success in the 21st century. Like, I can't do business without it. And, and he is one example of someone who has absolutely refuted that because he's done, done very well financially and absolutely does not use it. There's plenty of people who have done, done without it. 
Number three, it seems harmless, it's funny, and I might miss something. And most of us feel that, the FOMO thing, the fear of missing out. And what can it hurt anyway? Well, these are some facts about it. These tools, this is not just conspiracy. They are designed to be addictive. It's intentional. It's much better for the social media giant's business if they can get you addicted because you will come back uh, and you will read the advertisements that pay these social media giants to put on their apps. Number two, it causes you to feel lonely and isolated, as odd as that might be. You have more and more and more friends, but you're more and more lonely. It causes you to feel inadequate, inadequate and depressed. Lots of people these days feel inadequate and depressed because of their use of social media. And this is one of the things that I think we should think about more. This is not my phone. This is just a wireless uh, remote for that thing. But let's pretend this is... Whenever your phone is anywhere near you, there's a hum in your brain that's saying, I might be missing something. There's, uh, he says this way, is a hum, a background hum of, of anxiety due to its distracting nature. And you can't get away from it. You will not get away from that. And uh, some people say that you should keep your phone a distance away in another room when you're working, if you work at a desk, because you'll actually get a lot more done. The closer that thing is to you, the more it's calling your name. Don't understand it, but I've experienced it, and many people have testified to that. Don't think we can deny it. Trap number four, escape. We can use these things to escape real life. I need to get through this one quickly. One of the most severe forms of escape in today's world is the creation of an entire virtual life. Please don't experiment with it now that I'm mentioning it, but it's out there. Please don't. You can have totally, a totally fake life, including friendships that are, are quite real in a totally fake electronic world. And so for, for people that get into that, when life gets hard and friendships don't work out, they have a place to go where, where everything does work out. It works out exactly how they want it to. And I think on some level, this has been happening for many years with TV and movies. You can kind of escape by watching you know, some story. But this is a completely different level. And, and I'm told, supposedly it's researched in Japan, virtual boyfriends and girlfriends are so sophisticated that Japanese young people prefer virtual friendships over real ones. Probably not all of them, but I'm told that there's many who do. And one extreme example of that kind of a thing, in South Korea in 2010, there was a couple who allowed their three-year-old month, a three-month-old baby to literally starve to death while they played games in a virtual world where, oddly enough, among other things, they were raising a little girl, virtually. And I know these things are extreme, and we would never be like that. But, we're more affected than we realize. If we need to escape during difficult times, God has made ways of escaping that are good. 
exercise, walks, being in nature, talking to a friend. Those are the kind of escapes that we should go after. Like the song says, Oh Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made. That's an escape. Number five, self over relationships. 2 Timothy 3, another very familiar passage. Verse 2 says, In the last times men shall be lovers of their own selves. Many of the photos on social media are called selfies. Selfies aren't evil. But it's interesting how taken up we are with ourselves these days. Social media channels have made it possible for people to comment on and click on and in general to just idolize the life that other people are living. And usually they show that life by these selfies of them and some friends in this beautiful background. Maybe it's the ocean or maybe it's the mountains or whatever it might be. What are we trying to do? That's not wrong. But if, that, if, if we do that the entire time that we are on vacation, for example, or doing something fun, we're missing life now, the present. It, and and I, I understand the temptation. We have these phones that take great pictures, and we're having a fun time, and we have friends and at least family members, and oh, let's show them what we're doing. This is really fun. Let's show them how much fun we're having. But... My thought is enjoy the moment. And, um, you know, it's okay for you if you want to do that, but truthfully, no one else needs to know what you're doing. They really don't. It's, it's technically none of their business. And if you want it to be, that's okay. But don't miss the moment. Like the people you're with now, don't miss them while you're trying to show your friends three states away what you're doing. And, and I know that happens. It has happened for me already. Trap number six, sexual snares. This is the, the big one that we often think about when we think about social media. Truthfully, at least I think among this group, this is probably not the number one snare. I think the time waster and, and all that is the biggest thing that we deal with that is going to cause us problems or even just as people in general in, in the next 10, 20 years if we don't find our way. But this is one that is important as well. Just a couple stats. A couple more, I should say. There was a few earlier about this. It's sobering. Every second, 28,000 people are watching pornography. Every second, 3,075 is being spent on pornography. 40 million American people regularly visit pornography sites. This is one you might not expect, and 50 years ago, this would not have been the case. This statistic. One-third of pornography viewers are women. About 200,000 Americans are pornography addicts. And just 
the cost of this to society, the financial cost to business productivity in the U.S. alone is estimated at $16.9 billion. People wasting their time viewing these things at work. why does this matter? This thing of pornography and, and the whole sexual thing that comes, get, is available to us today because God created us as sexual beings very specifically and intentionally. But he did that to be, to be um, experienced in the context of a committed marriage relationship uh, with the opposite gender and when it's in that context, God has given us the opportunity for it to be a beautiful thing. Hebrews 13, 4 says, Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled. Pornography and all the things related to that portray a huge, disgusting lie, a horrendous lie about who God has made us and how that's to be uh, experienced in our lives. The, the, the glamour and glitz that they portray, even just in Hollywood movies, is so, it's so false. It's so false. There's many people, from what I read, there's many, many people today have been so twisted and warped because of what they have seen by viewing pornography, that when they are in a lawful, godly, otherwise godly marriage, a marriage that God would endorse, they cannot experience what God has meant for them because their mind has been so twisted. And the devil loves it. The truth is this garbage has tainted all of our views to some degree. Not because we watched it, but because we're in a world that is so bombarded with it that it has pushed into the minds of all of us. I don't mean we're thinking bad things, but our views of sexuality in general, I'm not sure any of us here quite have the correct view. I mean that in all dead seriousness. It's one of the most beautiful things God has ever created. And very few of us, if any, are free some, from some little twist of perversion that the devil has pushed on into our world about these things. And speaking of addiction, pornography is a very difficult one to become free from. <clears throat> I do not say that from experience. I had my own plenty of problems in my past. That was not one of them, but I, many people are in this, and it's extremely difficult. And, and many of you already know that researchers have found that the, the brain activity and, and the wiring in a pornography addict is almost identical to a person addicted to drugs. The way that it has become, I don't know if you're aware that your brain becomes rewired by inputs far more than we would have understood in years past. Research has, is, has kind of began understanding this more recent years how much our brains change over time because of what comes in. And these types of things rewire them in a deadly kind of way. I'm talking about spiritually deadly. 
They change our way of thinking. And, and even like I said earlier, they bring some people to a point where they actually cannot experience the sexuality anymore the way God intended because it's been so rewired. And by the way, there's, there's a man in our, in our Mennonite circles, um, Arthur Nisley, he's in Kansas, has started a ministry for, for men specifically in his case. And, and I think this is something worth um, being aware of. If we need help here at any point or just to give to other people. And it's called hopejourneyguide.com. It's his website. I think it's worth passing that along. It's something that we need to um, be aware of. 1 John 2.17 says, The world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Let's kneel and pray. God, thank you again this morning for the truth and power of your word. As we live in a world that has changed rapidly in more recent years, there's more and more things that are somewhat new on the scene that we don't even quite know how to, to work with. And we just continue to pray for wisdom in this world we live in. We know that in this world today, there is opportunity for victory, just as it has always been in the past. But I pray, God, you would protect our minds from being changed into the mind of the world. That we would not get to a place where we no longer recognize worldly patterns and thoughts, worldly desires. We know that it's very, very subtle. And I pray, God, you would work in our hearts, in our lives, and help us as a church here, as a brotherhood, to continue speaking into each other's lives in these very areas. That we could continue to find victory. Or if we aren't in victory, to find freedom and deliverance and healing. Thank you that your power is greater than the power of the world. In Jesus' name, amen.